Hello and welcome to episode 18 of EV Brief, your weekly podcast rundown of electric vehicle and sustainable transport news from Australia and around the world, and I'm your host, Jonathan McFeet. On today's podcast, lots of EV news from Porsche, Tesla, BMW, Mercedes-Benz and more. The rollout of electric buses continues worldwide with Wales and Venice adding zero emissions vehicles to their bus routes. The fuel excise in Australia and the Australian trucking industry, among others, is calling for EV drivers to pay this tax too, but is this fair? And there's been a lot of frustration in Australia recently around home solar installation and limits on the number of government rebates available. Does Tesla have an answer for this? All this and more on today's podcast. Let's get into the show. Let's start with some automotive EV news, shall we? And it appears Mazda is preparing to launch its first electric vehicle with a prototype CX-5 SUV spotted in Norway, dressed in a matte black paint finish. Electric.co reports that this vehicle sounded like an electric car and also had no visible exhausts. It's exciting to see more Japanese automakers moving towards EVs, as Mazda, along with Toyota and Subaru, have often publicly rejected future investment in battery technology. Next up, Porsche, and the Taycan has just completed a 24-hour, 2,128-mile endurance run at the famous Nardo test track in Italy. With high temperatures and a high average speed above 120 miles an hour for the record, the Taycan is being put through its paces by Porsche, with the company claiming it will have completed over 3.7 million test kilometres before the car's launch. Now the first press drive of the pre-production Taycan has also taken place, with Johnny Smith from YouTube channel Fully Charged getting behind the wheel of the electric Porsche recently at a runway in Germany. Whilst the Taycan was still lightly camouflaged inside and out for the cameras, Smith provided some insights into the final design and likened the cabin to a cross between the Porsche 918 hypercar and the newest 911 generation. Porsche admits that the Taycan will be slower than a Tesla Model S P100D in ludicrous mode, though only marginally, and the Taycan will sprint to 62 miles an hour, or 100 kilometers an hour, in under 3.5 seconds, according to Porsche. But Smith was present to show off the Taycan's party trick, that is, repeatable hard acceleration runs to 200 plus kilometers an hour, the sort of driving that might be important to German customers, or They might think it's important at least, those who frequent unlimited sections of autobahns on a daily basis. Smith performed over 26 high-speed runs in the Taycan with no noticeable decline in performance and no problems with the car's thermal management. The Taycan is set to be unveiled to the public in just under a month on September 4, and I'll include the link for the live stream site in the show notes. Moving on to Tesla, and the company has made some changes to pricing in the US, with the Model 3 performance variant increasing by $1,000 to $55,990, excluding taxes and destination charges. The Model Y SUV, due to launch late next year, has also received an update in specification on the ordering system to bring it in line with the rest of the Tesla range. Autopilot is now standard on the Model Y, and the pricing in the US is as follows. $43,700 for the rear-wheel drive long-range, $47,700 for the all-wheel drive long-range, and $56,700 for the dual-motor performance model. Moving to the Model 3 now, and the much-anticipated right-hand drive reviews of the car have been completed with the Australian and New Zealand press getting their hands on the car the last couple of weeks, alongside a select number of reservation holders who have each been waiting years for this moment. The reactions from the media have been overwhelmingly positive, praising performance, quality, drivability, features and fit and finish. However, there was one press car driven by journalist Chris Bowen that did have a few body panels that were obviously not in alignment. Odd for a press vehicle, one would think. 
Interestingly, most commenters on Twitter weren't overly offended by the misaligned panels and stated that they would be happy to accept the car in that condition, giving Tesla a pass mark in support of Tesla's larger goal of transitioning the world to electric transportation. In the final piece of Tesla product news, it has long been expected that the Model 3 would receive an air suspension option after the company revealed they were testing prototype systems back in 2017. Last week, Elon Musk has responded to a Twitter user asking about the option by saying, quote, no plans to introduce air suspension on Model 3 at this time, end quote. While there are obvious benefits to an air suspension setup, the Model S and X offer adaptive damping and ride control, for example, but costs and complexities of manufacture of such a system are obviously not something Tesla wants to worry about for the Model 3 at this time, as they ramp up production to match demand. On to BMW, and we covered the 330e in the last couple of weeks, and now the company has upped the ante with the release of information on the new 2020 5 Series 530 plug-in hybrid. Available as both rear and all-wheel drive variants, BMW has increased battery capacity by 30% over the previous model to 12 kilowatt hours. However, only 10.8 kilowatt hours are available to run in electric-only mode. The more dense lithium battery pack allows for a WLTP electric-only range of around 30 miles or 48 kilometers. The electric motor is mated to a 135 kilowatt, that's about 180 brake horsepower, a two-liter four-cylinder petrol engine, and will assist in providing a fuel consumption figure of 1.5 to 2 litres per 100 kilometres, and an energy consumption figure, crucially, of around 23 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometres. The Rob Report brings news that BMW will be rolling out a Californian trial of its wireless charging tech for plug-in hybrid vehicles. The system is able to recharge the 530e battery through induction at a rate of 3.2 kilowatts per hour, with an efficiency loss of only around 15%, according to BMW. The company announced this wireless charging prototype technology a few years ago, but this will be the first consumer implementation, I believe. To qualify for the trial in California, you must be a current BMW driver willing to take on a three-year lease of the new 530e and also own an enclosed garage. BMW will then cover all hardware and installation costs. Uh, If you're interested and meet the criteria, click on the link to the program in the show notes. Mercedes-Benz has confirmed an electric hybrid variant of its A-Class hatch and sedan, revealing the A250e today. The plug-in hybrid shares the 1.3-litre turbo petrol engine of the A180 and squeezes a 15.6-kilowatt-hour battery under the rear seat, providing an electric-only WLTP range of up to 42 miles or 60 to 65 kilometres. To make room for this, the petrol engine's exhaust is actually situated in the middle of the vehicle. The A250e is an advanced piece of technology with DC fast charging and a liquid core battery. Good things to see on a plug-in hybrid vehicle, and it should charge at your home in around 2 hours or within 25 minutes at a 50 kilowatt DC fast charging point. The A-Class goes on sale in Europe before the end of 2019, and it will make an appearance in Australia hopefully before the end of 2020, according to MBAU. This model is part of Daimler's plan to have 10 plug-in hybrid variants in their lineup by the end of this year, and 20 by the end of 2020. The days of the diesel bus are slowly starting to fade, with more and more cities looking for cleaner replacements. This week, Venice has announced a deal with Solaris for 30 Urbino electric buses at a cost of around 20 million euro to operate on the Palestrina and Lido islands. This type of progress is great news for any city, but particularly for a UNESCO-protected city like Venice, where chemicals and particulates from vehicles and ships can seriously damage historic sites and architecture. 
Zero emissions buses will have two 125 kilowatt electric motors and 116 kilowatt hours of batteries on board. Each bus will be equipped with an ultra-rapid charging port, as well as a pantograph to enable charging en route. The fleet replacement should be complete by the end of 2020. This comes on top of recent news that Wales is also rolling out electric buses thanks to a UK government grant for green transport initiatives. 66 battery-powered buses will roll out across Wales next year in 2020. As electric vehicles gain in popularity around the world, those with vested interests in fossil fuels or those reluctant in seeing a change in transportation look for more excuses to slow the charge towards EVs, or at least confound and confuse consumers with fear and doubt. One constant criticism from those opposed to EVs is that battery and hybrid vehicles shouldn't receive any, in quotations, handouts, and that the taxpayer shouldn't be expected to fund the rollout of new technology. I don't need to point out that fossil fuels are still receiving subsidies and tax breaks to the tune of trillions globally, but that's irrelevant. Now, Australia has a 41% fuel excise on all fuels used in the country, and the last week has seen a number of notable individuals, well, complain that EV drivers are given an unfair advantage by not paying the fuel excise. Firstly, I can hear you saying, wait, an EV doesn't consume fuel, so why should EV drivers pay a fuel excise? Well, economist and head of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, Rod Sims, called for road pricing reform last week and stated, quote, At the moment, electric vehicle owners aren't paying existing road user charges, and everyone driving a petrol car is. That is clearly not fair. Why should EV drivers have an advantage over people driving petrol cars? End quote. EV Council of Australia Chief Executive Bayard Jafari swiftly hit back, stating, quote, Sims's view failed to consider key factors, including the health cost to taxpayers from internal combustion engine emissions, end quote. Rod Sims also argued that a road user tax should replace a fuel tax as a way to fund road infrastructure as revenue from the fuel excise decreases over time. Now, on top of all of this, the Australian Trucking Association has also called for charges to be levied on EV drivers, believe it or not, stating that EV drivers are bypassing the fuel excise tax, which isn't fair on everyone else who drives a polluting combustion vehicle. Trucking Association boss Jeff Crouch stated, quote, Road users contribute to the cost of roads through fuel duty, and as it stands, electric vehicle owners do not pay for the roads they drive on, end quote. Crouch seized on findings that a reduction in fuel excise collected by the Australian government could result in a $1 billion per year loss to the budget within 10 years. This was from a 2019 Senate committee report into electric vehicles. OK, deep breath, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's look at excises. So, firstly, an excise is, according to the dictionary, a uh, tax levied on certain goods and commodities produced or sold within a country and on licences granted for certain activities. So all around the world, excises or levies have been used on goods or services that have often had a detrimental impact on the health of the population. In Australia, for example, we have an excise on alcohol, but alcohol for medical or agricultural use is exempt from that excise. We also have an excise on tobacco products, currently around 50 to 60% of the price of a pack of cigarettes. And this is increasing every year and is designed to discourage the consumption of a product that will significantly damage an individual's health. Interestingly, the tobacco excise in Australia is worth around $3.5 billion annually to the government, almost half that generated by the fuel excise. So yes, the fuel excise, or levy, or tax, is a source of revenue for the government, but it is one that has been in decline for a number of years. Firstly, although vehicle sales and road users are increasing in Australia, the average age of vehicles on the road is decreasing, and subsequently new vehicles are far more fuel efficient than ever. 
also fewer young people than ever are driving, and only 60% of Australians between the ages of 18 and 34 actually use a car on a regular basis, according to a study in 2018. Now, contrary to what the Australian trucking industry claims, the fuel excise is not a road tax with money going to repair roads. There are various other fees and charges for that, and EV drivers do pay these. The fuel excise hits the federal government's public revenue accounts, but roads are funded at federal, state and local levels, so it's basically impossible to draw a direct link between something like the fuel excise paid by motorists and road spending. What the Trucking Association won't tell you is that they actually, uh, well, the companies that they lobby on behalf of are not actually contributing much to the upkeep of Australia's roads. Most heavy vehicles don't pay the fuel excise. Vehicles above 4.5 tonnes are actually eligible to receive a concession from the Australian Taxation Office for Business Use and are able to offset that fuel tax component on a quarterly basis. So what's the answer? Abolish the tax on fuel or tax EV drivers? Or is total reform needed? In part, I agree with Rod Sims that a user-pays model of road tax would go some way to being equitable and would hopefully adequately fund the road infrastructure spending required over the next few decades. We could follow a European system, and I know a number of countries in Europe are moving to this kind of model. Registration would be a nominal amount, and motorists would pay per kilometre, depending on the time of day driven and the area they're driving to. Now, this would incentivise people to really think hard about whether they actually needed to take their cars and would encourage more people to walk, cycle and take public transport. It would be fair because EV drivers would be included in this tax, but costs to EV and hybrid car owners could potentially be offset by state government concessions on other duties and taxes, like we have in the United States, for example. Despite interest in this uh, from various state governments, transport experts and the like, uh, the only impediment to this, aside from the pressure of powerful road lobbyists, is that through poor planning and underinvestment in public transport and local infrastructure, some of the least well-off Australians are heavily reliant on cars and don't have easy access to services in their community or their workplace. A lot of this comes back to my recent discussion with Member of Parliament, Jamie Parker. Uh, Good urban design and planning is critical for a good quality of life, but also for so many other future challenges, such as efficient and effective public transport and well-funded road infrastructure. So now I'd like to hear what you think. Should Australia transition to a pay-per-kilometre vehicle tax and abolish the fuel excise? Let me know through social media or by email, and we will discuss it on a future show. Moving on to other news, and mining companies are clearly seeing commodities markets shifting away from traditional exports like black coal and gas towards resources required for battery production. This week, Australian conglomerate Westfarmers announced a takeover of lithium developer Kidman Resources, which is expected to cost them $534 million US dollars. Working with Kidman, Westfarmers is currently looking at developing a high-grade lithium hydroxide project in Australia, which will produce a material crucial for battery manufacturing and also one that is used in the nuclear technology industry. And finally, back to Tesla. Uh, When looking at the recent Tesla quarterly earnings report, we noted that the company's solar installation revenue had fallen off dramatically in Q2. This week, Tesla Solar has announced a revolutionary rental offer for new customers in the US. If you live in California, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut or New Jersey, you can choose from a 3.8 kilowatt, uh, 7.6 or 11.4 kilowatt system from only 50, 100 or 150 US dollars per month respectively. And note this is just for the panels and a Powerwall battery would need to be purchased separately. 
This is great news for residents of these states. The high upfront costs of installing panels is the number one impediment for so many people, and I hope Tesla brings something like this soon to international markets. Looking at Tesla's energy generation table, if you're living in Arizona, for example, and spend $50 per month on the rental, you can expect to generate around $700 to $900 worth of electricity per year, and net between $1 and $280. Should the renter wish to move properties, the agreement is actually transferable to the new owner of the property. Otherwise, a $1,500 decommissioning fee applies. To me, this is all very reasonable, and if available to me as a homeowner, I would definitely jump at it. I don't think Tesla is making huge profits on this in the short term, but this rental concept has huge potential to push more Americans than ever into the solar energy generation market, and would actually allow Tesla to really grab market share in the medium to long term over all the small solar providers. We sign rental agreements for cell phones, for new cars, uh, now and then even personal electronics and homewares, so why shouldn't this business model be expanded to renewables? And that's it for episode 18 of EV Brief. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can subscribe on all your favorite podcast networks and also find EV Brief on Twitter and Facebook. Please also consider leaving a review on iTunes to show your support or jump on over to patreon.com slash evbriefpodcast. A couple of quick thank yous. Thanks to Twitter user and soon-to-be Tesla Model 3 owner Sid EB for your iTunes review. And thanks to Jason for becoming a patron of the podcast. My name is Jonathan. Thanks again for listening to EV Brief and have a fantastic week.